Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior and just talk about horror because it's amazing. Amazing. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) So today I'm super excited and I'm going to be so long-winded. I'm sorry in advance, Brian, for the editing that's going to happen because we're talking about the 2013 supernatural horror film, The Conjuring, and it is one of my Absolute favorite movies. Yerp. Hey, wanna play hide and clap? So great. It is directed by James Wan and written by twins, Chad and Carrie Hayes. And this is the first in the horror movie chain yes i said chain that is what it is it's incredible it stars patrick wilson and vera farmiga as real life paranormal investigators and ultimate power couple ed and lorraine warren they are a power couple listen relationship goals okay (laughs) (laughs) the way that they love each other is just unmatched you know take that rom-coms of a generation (laughs) So before we talk about this, obviously heavy, heavy spoilers. So if you have not seen The Conjuring, please pause, go watch it. As of right now, it is on HBO, getting ready for when the new one comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also on Netflix. We watched it on Netflix. Oh, really? Well, yeah, yeah. Double dosage, okay? <laughs> so it's just because it's that good. It needs to be streaming everywhere all the time. Everyone needs access to it. Yep, always. Uh, Always. So on top of spoiler alerts, any trigger warnings, Jamie, for the new day? Uh, you know, there's some there's some devil related uh things, Just some some in infanticide and uh I, I actually don't know how you say that word. Uh parents murdering children. Is that even the right word to describe that? In uh <laughs> I just, <laughs> in I just gonna, I'm gonna go with it, yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. That's, that's the best of them. <laughs> I support you. I support this. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Thank you. So, so infanticide, right infanticide is the crime of killing a child within a year of birth. A okay. person who kills an infant, mm-hmm. especially their own child. Mm. Okay. Brian, keep that <clears throat> up because I might have some more questions about things. But yeah, what were we going to say, Jamie? No, I was like, because I... Cause I, I you said the spoiler alert, so I feel okay saying this now, but there's multiple ages of children who are murdered. But I do think that Bathsheba's child is a week old. Therefore, I am right. Of course. I, again, I support you. <laughs> I'm not going to question <laughs> the expert. I just wanted to, you know, double down on potentially being wrong. <laughs> it's fine. We're all human. And again, hashtag doing our best. That's our motto. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into uh any of this what's new have you watched anything 
I know we talked about we were going to watch some things in the last episode. So did you get around to any good things? Have we watched anything? <laughs> in the week that we have that the so we take a week break typically between recordings. In the week break, Jamie and I have watched your suggestion, Dead Silence. Yes. <laughs> we also watched Saw 2, Saw 3, Saw 4, Saw 5, and Saw 6. We, <laughs> we, we have yet to watch Saw 7 and Jigsaw, um, or Saw the last chapter in Jigsaw. We're, we still have those two to watch, but we watched Saw 2 through 6. Wait, before you go get into that, which Saw is the 3D one? 6 or 5? Uh, no, 7. Seven. So Saw okay. 3D is also known as the last the last chapter, the final chapter, whichever they call um, it. That is insane. How did you feel about that? That is a lot to take in in a six-day period. <laughs> so Saw 2 is actually the one I remember the most. Jamie, which one did you remember the most? Uh, I think Saw 2, but there's... A part like there's something that happens in Saw Three that also like one particular moment that stuck out to me that I remembered, and then I honestly couldn't. I I know that I've seen many of them before, but I could not recall like. And I saw them in theaters too, and so we were watching like four, and I was like, okay, I think I've seen this one, but like I it was just like so not memorable. And then something happened at the end where I was like, yeah, 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 I saw this one. And then we get to, and then I was like, but I think that's the last one that we start watching five. And I was like, no, wait, I remembered something here. And then get to the end. I was like, okay, so I think that's the last one. It just kept happening. Yeah. I, I don't like somewhere deep in the recesses of my very soft, spongy brain. Like I remembered seeing this, but absolutely. Man. Well, because and, you don't remember the storyline. You just remember the torture. No, part, exactly. So, yes. That's it. So, yeah. what I'll say about these Saw movies is that I definitely remember a lot of the tortures. Like, I remember the needle pit. And I remember, I saw the yeah. third, the third one. Mm-hmm. I had never seen past the third one. I remembered the ice woman in the third one. Like, I remember that mm-hmm. stuff. However, the other ones are so forgettable in general, but they're all, they all feel like the same movie. However... Exactly. The twists be stop becoming twists. The twists just end up being like, we knew this already. You're just revealing something that you've been telling us for an hour and a half. Yes. Two, they feel like a TV show that was really good in season one, or at least like a very popular in season one. And then like, and then it's some somewhere in like season three and four, and like you get to like season eight, and you're just like, like, what is this plot? Like, <laughs> this is so stupid. Yeah, and it gets so convoluted stupid. and like they're retconning so many things. That's wild. Just, yeah. There's like no, like, I can't imagine like waiting a whole year before seeing the next one and like re- remembering any of the information from the previous one. Ooh, like, yeah. it's like a direct continuation. How, how do you remember like all of the random pieces of information, especially when like there isn't a twist in the last one? It's just like, it just ends and then, and then picks up immediately where we left off. Yeah, it's wild. Like we were talking about how that was like an annual tradition, like in October, the new Saw movie was coming out. But like, Jamie's right. Like, if I weren't watching them back to back to back, like, that's wild. Like, there's no. (laughs) I I don't know what it's about. (laughs) Yeah. So we look forward to seven, eight and spiral. Yep. Um, But it's oh, also Jigsaw. 
Yeah. There's Jigsaw becomes a less interesting character the more they explain about him. His yes. his his philosophy is all over the place. Like it was very straightforward in the first one. On top of all that Jigsaw stuff, like they try to make you empathize with him, and it's like like <laughs> yeah. it's very weird. It's, I I I yeah, I do not life, like these Brian films. or else. I, yeah, <laughs> I like moments in these things, but like even even as they get into the later ones, they don't even explain the traps anymore. They just like yep. show someone in a trap, and mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, I, I guess I guess this this thing is filling up with water, and he has to figure out how to breathe before like it fills oh up all the way. Gosh, and yes. it's, but like but they don't do like hello. This is Jigsaw. Like they don't do that. Like, I don't know. This is stupid. Great voice. Yeah. No, I agree. Then, yeah. They're trying to get in so much of just the torture of it all that mm-hmm. you don't even get Jigsaw or whoever Jigsaw quote unquote is at the time of the movie. Sure. You don't get him explaining why he's doing things. And then especially in Jigsaw, I think that's the one maybe, I don't know, but the backstory of him and a wife and a kid mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. of that and it's mm-hmm. like well, we that's we learned thing. about all that stuff already but they keep retconning it like jamie said like every movie yeah. is just like you didn't see this person who was standing there and it was just <laughs> yeah. like i was like come on <laughs> but that's what you get when you have like writers go to the message boards to see what what like people like us are like oh well you know they didn't explain how like this happened and then they're like uh, see in the next one where we explain Lord, literally <laughs> how this happened. And it's like, why are you guys wasting your time? Like you, why? I This yeah. doesn't actually matter. I agree a thousand percent, but <laughs> you feel obligated because you're in so deep now oh, that you so just deep. have to finish out the Yeah, I can't thing. not finish them. That'd be wild. <laughs> of course. But you just get through it. But you oh, know man. what we're not going to just get through, we're going to dive into deep, deep, is the conjuring yes you to tell me did you like it was this your first time seeing it or actually no before that we need to explain the plot so boy are you ready (laughs) i mean is there ever going to be a day where i pass the torch (laughs) maybe maybe we'll have to play tag is today that day like well can we like play tag because you love i mean you love this movie so you should in theory know how to explain it like the back of your hand okay okay Let's do it. I got you. Yeah? I got you. Watch the plot. <laughs> yeah. All right. You have two minutes. Can you can you explain the conjuring in two minutes? I'm gonna describe it how I can. I'm like, I'm not gonna go into super, super detail. I mean, that's you know, the movie in itself is the scares and the slow motions and things. So yeah. it's really not a lot of like detailed, in my opinion. But let's get into All right. it. I'm ready. ready. This is gonna be trash. Okay. Go. Okay. We open up on a scene with Ed and Lorraine who Wait, are. Wait, stop. I said it for two hours. I meant two minutes. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, so you're actually going to go deep in detail? I need and you do to the recite movie. the movie. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to read the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ready, go. My heart is pounding. Okay. So we open up the movie with Ed and Lorraine, who are paranormal activists or investigators, and they are t- activists. Wow. Paranormal <laughs> activists. 
<laughs> this is going great, guys. So they are with a group of kids who have called on them because they are having some paranormal issues with a doll that, as they explained through the through the scenes, the doll Annabelle, uh, they had uh, they went to a psychic and found out that there was a girl who died there and tragically, and so the doll was communicating with them and the, uh, the girl was communicating with them and wanted to get into the doll. And so because they were such helping people, they were like, yes, spirit, you can get into the doll. We don't care. And so a whole bunch of crazy stuff starts happening. The doll is moving places, moving things, writing things on the wall. And so Ed and Lorraine come in and tell them, hey, you have look. a minute left. Wow. <laughs> you haven't gotten past I the know, first I minute. Past it. No, but <laughs> I'm going to catch up. I got you. So they're like, hey, no, this is a demon, actually. And you need, to, we need to get rid of the demon. And so they get rid of the demon. They take Annabelle and bring her back to their space. Cut two, there's another family who moved into a space and they are experiencing some paranormal things. So they, the wife actually goes and finds Ed and Lorraine at a lecture and says, hey, can you come to my house? And so they're like, okay, let's go help them. And so they spend the night a bunch of crazy things happen. Things are flying off of the wall. People are sliding in different places. And so the Ed and Lorraine say, hey, we're going to try to go to the church and get you to help and get an exorcism. But it's too late because the family is already deteriorating and the demon is already taking over everything and the demon takes over the wife. And so Ed has to perform the exorcism himself. And so he gets the demon out of the, uh, <laughs> out of the wife and everyone is happy. Yay! <laughs> That's the plot. You have to just set up the beginning to know what's happening, but everything else is just paranormal things happening in the house. I That's, thought you yeah. were going to explain all of the Annabelle movies. Oh my. <laughs> I love Annabelle too. That's, I mean, Wait, Annabelle the best, th- but Annabelle. Yeah, yeah. The best thing about this was uh, paranormal activists. <laughs> <laughs> Which that now that's we're sticking with that. <laughs> they are activists for the paranormal because mm-hmm. they're like, hey, don't call that thing a spirit. It's not a spirit. Ghosts it's can happen. <laughs> it's an actual demon. And they're yeah. using things as conduits mm-hmm. about the place. <laughs> so that is my awful summary of it. So let's get into the round of applause. That was great. I feel your pressure, Jamie. I. <laughs> so did you like it is this the first time that you have watched this tell me about it jamie i love this movie um i don't know this is probably like the 10th time i've seen it i've seen it many times it's just so well executed i think that i do i think that i have an affinity for paranormal type movies um but it's it's like more than just you know like somebody's possessed and because there's like a ton like honestly I think the the horror genre is oversaturated with paranormal like possessions and all of that stuff like there's so many of those movies but this movie is excellent because it's not just about the spooks and the scares and the jump scares and all of that but like they're really setting it up because like you said like the warrens are a power couple and the way that they're presented is not that they're, they're not trying to deceive people they're trying to look for any rational explanation that could possibly like explain why this is happening 
before they, well before they like want to introduce the idea that it could be something paranormal. And like, that's, I think what makes this story excellent and like pushes it forward because then you're, then you get buy-in from people who like either are all in on like paranormal stuff and like believe it. But then you also get the people who like are not, and like maybe questioning it a little bit. And so like, I think it has so much more of an impact when you can kind of like the audience is, is so much wider versus like just the people who are like, I'm just, I love the spooky scary. Like it's there. Oh man. I just, I could talk about this movie for ever and ever and ever and ever, but yeah, I want to hear you talk about it forever and ever. (laughs) I agree with everything you're saying. And in watching this movie, I was watching a couple of YouTube videos of people explaining how James Wan edits things in order to create jump scares mm-hmm. and why they're so effective. And I, if you just look up, you know, on YouTube, James Wan edits horror movie sequences, you'll find a whole bunch of things. But how they explain it is that in order for him to set up the scare, he starts to slow down the shots. And so there's not a lot of editing between, like going between different shots. He'll linger in one space for a long time. And he's the master of misdirection. So where you think that the scare is going to happen, it's never where it actually happens. And then you get like another scare in the place that you thought it was going to happen, (laughs) which makes it like two times. (laughs) It's just incredible. So what I really like about this movie is like you said Ed and Lorraine as this is based off of a true story and Ed and Lorraine are real people I think that the acting in Patrick and Vera of them being so calm and collected and and seeming like everyday people and not these people that are on this pedestal of like we fight demons and you know here are our capes and we're gonna help everybody it's just like no they're normal people and they just want to help anybody any way that they can even if they go to a house call and it isn't anything demonic or nothing Mm -hmm. haunted they're just there to put you at ease and how Patrick and Vera Vera play that and portray that is just so genius even to the point in where Vera walks into the house for the first time and if you just kind of look at her face she's trying to hide so much that there's stuff happening because she's trying to keep everybody else calm mm-hmm. before they can get a handle of everything that's happening and it makes you just trust them and so the audience trusts the journey that they're about to go on and I don't know James Wan just is is incredible with like the cinematography of everything and how the he reveals his demons and so you really don't see like a lot of the jump scares of like demons like coming out at you it's like Mm -hmm. they come in slow forms and it just gradually builds up this tension with these slow moving shots to where you're kind of like, oh, okay, you're in the perspective, first person perspective with the with the character and you're walking through the house with the character. And it's not like you're viewing it as like a fly on the wall. You're like in there with them. And so mm-hmm. then when the scare happens, it's just like, it's, it's so much more intense because of how it's being filmed. But yes, that was my um, long-winded slash short version of that. <laughs> Brian, what about you? How do you feel about this movie? What do you like? What do you not like? Sure. This was the only the second time I had seen it. Actually, during the pandemic, Jamie introduced me to all of these movies. Like okay, this, this. made him watch it. Yes, absolutely. So, <laughs> we watched Conjuring, Conjuring 2. We watched um, some of the Annabelle movies. 
I think those are the only ones we watched because she's seen the nun and and La Llorona and 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 not and so we we not worth our time. Nope. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we watched these and those. And I, what I will say is, this is an excellent. Forget about horror movie. This is an excellent movie. What was most fascinating for me this time through is watching James having just watched James Wan's first theatrical movie release like was saw which was a hot mess in terms of direction but the fact that he made it work it's like a i think it's in the last episode it's a miracle that movie works like and that, that's a that's a true testament to him and his editing so you bringing that up here is like totally makes sense and this one is him just like he has full control over what he's doing it's a very much a director's movie he's one of the very few uh, horror directors who does a really great job with actors. I feel like, you know, having worked with Patrick Wilson before and insidious definitely helped him here. The scares in this movie are spectacular. The story is wonderful. The setup is wonderful. The thematic setup of everything, like the opening, the opening sequences before you get to the actual, like when it says the conjuring and then it, and, and it scrolls yeah. and tells a little bit about Ed yes. um, and Lorraine. Just the thematic elements about the idea of of what they do, the 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 you know you learn like you said and during your pot um, the synopsis, you know you learn about possession and demons through that opening sequence with Annabelle, and then you learn a little bit more about exorcisms in the classroom with all of that stuff. They really do an excellent job of kind of letting you into their world uh, mm-hmm. and, and allowing that. And what Jamie said earlier, I think the best scene, the most important scene in the movie is not any of the scares is not the exorcism. It's when they go to the couple's house and they are in the attic and they tell them like, it's just the wind, the pipes, that's what you're hearing all through the house. Mm-hmm. Cause like Jamie said, that just says, I, I, that scene, I love that scene. Cause a lot of other horror movies do not include that scene. I do have some plot hole questions as we get into it. There's uh, things that I think that, as lean as this movie is, I think there is excess fat that kind of takes away from certain things. And we'll talk about that overall. I'm very excited to talk about the scares in this movie because there are so many, I think, but they take it seriously and they're real people and it's very grounded and, and it's not taken seriously and then turns into camp. It's taken seriously. And like, and like it's played seriously and it feels Mm -hmm. like they're honoring and respecting the actual Ed and Lorraine. They're not, they're not forcing their opinions on you. And it's, and they're just like showing the situation. It's really, it's it's really exceptional stuff. It's it's a it's a really well made movie and maybe one of the best. I understand why there's a chain about it now because mm-hmm. this is so well done and so well written and so interesting and engaging. It doesn't feel twenty minutes too long, even with the fat that I mentioned. It still feels at the right the right amount of time, and the two of them just fill every frame with something magical. But also, Ron Livingston and Lily <laughs> Taylor are just like so good and the kids are so good and mm-hmm. you believe them and you understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and oh it's it's such i, I know we're, i, I want to break it down a little bit but like it really is wonderful yeah it was just a full recipe for success just mm-hmm. the directing the acting the cinematography the scares everything i will say that in my horror movie life 
<laughs> I, my life, that is a horror movie. Um, I, <laughs> well, watch out behind you. Well, if you can see that my door is open and there are, there's a hallway and sometimes I do look in the camera and just make sure that there's like nothing, nothing back there. I mean, there's another totally. door behind that one that's open. Was that always open the whole time or? You know I mean, <laughs> it's truly scary. <laughs> but <laughs> you all. <laughs> Stop one. Uh, I hate, I hated paranormal movies. I don't like it. I grew up in a church going household and I love Jesus so, so, so much. And so anything that is like demonic and whatever creeps me the hell out. And I refused to watch this movie for so long mm. until I was on tour. <laughs> The color purple and one of my uh, my swing brother Jamal was like you have to watch the Conjuring movies they're great and I was like no I'm not watching this it's like devil demonic stuff and I'm, I can't I can't do that and he sat me down and forced me to watch this and I was like how did I go so long without watching this this is pure genius also like the light god wins <laughs> and it's just like okay that's like it's so, like whoa, okay okay <laughs> For a good solid month, I did not sleep with my foot outside of my covers. Because oh, sure. Oh, yeah, because you're going to get yanked. I'm going to get yanked. Yeah. And you know it's like the most comfortable, too, like laying mm-hmm. in your bed, like one foot in and one foot mm-hmm. out. But nope, not because of that. Because you are religious and 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 you, you like deeply believe, mm-hmm. do you think that these movies hit a little bit harder for you? Because a lot of these movies are the fact that like – if you believe in God, why wouldn't you believe in the devil? And if mm. these things are happening to you, does it's the same thing about like the science and religion aspect where like, Absolutely. if you believe, if you believe that God exists and he, and he, and, and he did all of this, you must believe that he created these cells that like work so perfectly and harmoniously. Doesn't that make you believe in science even more? Like what's your take on that from someone who, who, yeah. who just, you know, grew up in a church going home? That's a great question. I will start off by saying I agree with what you stated about God and him in the midst of creating people who created science and how it all works together and forms together. Like I am a true believer of all of that being a bridge that people don't normally want to try to cross or bridge Mm -hmm. the gap. Uh, But I do, it did hit a lot harder, but it was like a sigh of relief of like, regardless of what you think good Mm -hmm. always overcoming evil i think Mm -hmm. is a general theme and regardless of if you think good is the universe or good is god or whatever god you believe in Mm -hmm. that it was something that overcame an evil and horrendous thing that was trying to kill people so yes it hit hard but because i do believe in that but how it's executed. I don't think it was overly preachy. I loved the um, contradiction of the church, even not even wanting to possibly help them because they weren't baptized and Mm -hmm. corruption that is also within the church that is still going on today and will probably continue to go on for forever in all honesty. Um, But it really wasn't about the church being attached to it. And the church wasn't even the one that saved them. It was Ed and Lorraine. And Ed is not an ordained priest, which made it even more perfect of mm-hmm. the fact that they were saying, you know, and this can go uh, a whole another way. <laughs> but I liked the fact that it was like, because of Ed and Lorraine's own personal relationship with, <clears throat> with 
their religion, they were able to help these people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just dependent on a building or a specific priest or person that people kind of put on a high pedestal of being the ones to help. It's like, no, God can be within anybody and God can help everybody. And so that's why I really liked it. But yes, great question. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yes, all good things. Well, of course, I have a thousand mental health questions. <laughs> I want to clarify that I'm not, um, a, a, what was it? A spiritual advocate, a demon advocate. Yes. Paranormal activist. Paranormal activist. <laughs> I wrote it down. I wrote it down because I never want to forget. We're just, we're just doing our best. <laughs> just doing our best. Uh, but yeah, I would like to know there was a moment where one of the daughters was sleepwalking. And I, I'm kind of going into like medical field of this. But I'm, I'm not a doctor. Yes. <laughs> if you know the answer to this or clue of this, that would be fantastic. But they kept saying, don't wake up a person that sleepwalks. Do you know, or either of you, do you know why that is? I have no idea. I think I remember he like, and I don't, I could be totally making this up or like, this is based on like something I've heard, but like something about how, like, if you wake up someone who's sleepwalking that like, they'll, they'll have like a kind of fit, um, which could just be like a very like old school way of thinking about things. But I, I actually don't know if that's true. On that same line, like what goes on in your brain to where you can like physically be doing something, but you're not aware of it or conscious of it? Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, like there's so like sleep disturbances are super interesting to me. I actually did. So I had I have I think I mentioned to you, Nikisha, before that I have like chronic nightmares. Yes. And so I like I always find like sleep disturbances really interesting. I have had sleep paralysis before. And once when I was a very young child, I did sleepwalk. And it's like very now I don't know if anybody else has, but it's very disorienting to like go to bed one place and wake up in a very, very, very different location. And it wasn't in my home. Like we were on vacation somewhere and I woke up in front of the TV and I was like, what is happening? Like, like who brought me here? It was like very disturbing. Um, but like, I don't like from my memory, I don't remember anything happening like before I went to bed in the dream that like felt like I was walking. Cause my, I mean, my dreams feel like real life and I still wake up in my bed, you know, all the other times. So like, yeah. no, I like, and that was just my experience. I don't know. Like if other people have had, have like felt something different about that experience, but that was me. Like I had no idea that that was what was happening. Yeah. I just always wanted to not, I need to probably, it's probably on YouTube or Google. But- <laughs> Like, do people, are are there studies of people who sleepwalk? Like, you know, if they put, you know, things on their... Mm-hmm. I'm sure. What's happening. Yeah. Minds and yeah, that's just so interesting because I've never dealt with that, but I've definitely dealt with dreams that felt so real. And then you mm-hmm. wake up and you're just like, your heart is beating like you were actually there. It's... Yeah. It's- Oh, I have once when I was a kid, I fell out of bed. And before I fell out of bed, I had a dream that I was falling. Because no. <laughs> I could like feel it in real life and then like wake up and I'm like, oh God. And then like actually fall. <laughs> that, yeah. That and is- that's like the only like sensation that like felt real in the dream and then was actually <laughs> real in real life. 
I can't. <laughs> and now I probably have a million nightmares tonight. But going on with the kids, because they had a lot of issues before any of this stuff happened. But there was one of the girls, the youngest, I believe, who had an imaginary friend. And I just wanted to know if you could give some insight on why kids make up imaginary friends. Like, are they compensating for something? I mean, she had sisters, you know, she had siblings and people in the house with her, but she still needed to kind of have somebody else. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember there was a comment that she made about like when she was trying to play the clap game with, with her mom saying like, oh, they never let me play. So I also can imagine that like just as the youngest and I don't, I I don't remember if they actually said how old they all are in relation to each other. So like maybe she's just like, you know, significantly younger than the next oldest child. And so there's like that age difference. But I do think like from my very basic knowledge of like child development, like having an imaginary friend is like a very normal experience. And and like um, there's like a lot of, I think like development and growth and like socializing that kids are like modeling in those spaces. That's like pretty normal. As far as I know, it's not like an indicator that someone's like not going to be able to socialize or, or have like impaired social functions in any kind of way. I think it's just like another, another space for them to like flex their imagination and like learn, like, yeah, learn different, um, different things that like they also see and experience kids are really smart they like pick up on all kinds of stuff so like we as adults are like modeling all kinds of things for them and their brains are processing these things in a variety of different ways so I think that's just like another another developmental way that they're like processing everything okay that makes sense Mm -hmm. now with everything that the kids went through what kind of counseling or thoughts <laughs> because and, and and not just like normal things but even trauma with an abusive parent because in the movie the mother is possessed and but she's trying to kill them and mm-hmm. at a young age you probably miss the fact that this is all paranormal and you're just seeing your parent trying to kill you mm-hmm. so what kind of counseling how could <laughs> I'm like, like, and it's a loaded question. (laughs) Deal with with that and not be so traumatized to, you know, go kind of mad. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I imagine like there's, I mean, even though, you know, the youngest children are, are like most at risk by the mom because the mom is like actively trying to like stab her youngest child. Like the whole family is going through this trauma. It's like the whole family unit is traumatized and exposed to like everything that's happening. And so like outside of, you know, typical like individual therapy, like one-on-one, like probably some form of family therapy where they're able to like actually all come together and process it as a family unit would, I imagine like be very helpful, especially if it's something that they're all like interested in, you know, it poses a challenge if like someone within the family unit is, is not open to like partaking in family therapy because like the idea is that like everyone's coming together to process. So if, you know, all, was it seven of them? It's a, that's a big session. If as many of them, or even if it's like, you know, a mom and dad and, and 
and the sibling um, coming together. Like, you know, as long as there's some kind of like unit involved, I imagine that like that would be a space to start kind of like unpacking the time when mommy tried to stab you. Yeah. <laughs> and you think that that would be better than just like individualized therapy? You could do both. I mean, there's no like, there's no limitations to like all those different avenues. Like you can do them simultaneously. Cause one is about like, you know, unpacking your own experience and like without feeling any pressure or like a- any of those additional factors of like the actual relationship with the other person in the space and like just focusing on you and like your own coping skills you know, for, and like, especially for kids who are that young, like there's there's like specific things that are helpful for young kids, like play therapy, sandbox therapy. Yeah. So like, you know, having like a whole, like therapists have like a whole table that's like a sand tray and then like a ton of different like dolls and like Legos and all kinds of things. And you can like play out and build out like whatever you want, but it's also like an opportunity for you to like process what happened to you. So there's all kinds of kids specific trauma interventions, family trauma interventions, different therapy programs can like come into your house. So like, that's another option where it's like keeping, I mean, if they want to stay in like the murder house, (laughs) like post exorcism, like, oh, let's, let's, you know, do therapy in like the most terrifying place of all time. Um, But yeah, there's like so many different interventions and and ways to like support people. So like, those are, those are some of the thoughts that I have of like, what could possibly be helpful. At some point, we're absolutely going to have to do Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor because in in Hill Hill House, yeah, Hill House is the one where she's the child psychologist and like, um, Right. And and she uh-huh. goes to the house that one time or yep. she sees them in the office with. Yeah, we're going to have to mm-hmm. do that because I'm sure we'll have a million questions. A million. <laughs> I am not a child therapist. I used to actually really like that was like what I wanted to do. OK, that is interesting. And you talking about like the sand, sand pit, sandbox. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Falling into the sand pit therapy. Yeah. Desert therapy. Yes. That reminded Beach me. Beach therapy. Oh. oh, that sounds awesome. Dessert yeah. therapy. That's, that's I, honestly, uh, where do I get credentialed for that? <laughs> you just add that. Yes. <laughs> uh, that reminded me of the movie Us because the girl, when the parents were talking, I guess, to a therapist of some kind, the girl was in the little sandbox and she was mm-hmm. making the things and doing the things. Uh, but my last question about mental health is, they mentioned that the demons go after the psych- vulnerable. Vulnerable, yes, yes. Oh my god, I want to talk about this. Please unpack it all. No, I have questions. I have no. questions about this because because yes, I that like stuck out a lot this time. This watch yes. and. And it's happening while they're like focusing in on the mom and like ultimately the mom is the one that gets possessed. And so like, what does that mean? Are they, so like one of my thoughts was like, are they saying that because she's a mother, that's what makes her most psychologically vulnerable? And like, what what then does that mean? Like, are they saying it's like, you know, her instinct to protect her, her children, but because Bathsheba is like specifically targeting mothers 
and, and like trying to get them to murder their children. It's like turning that, that protective instinct on its head and like influencing it in like a really like negative, like insidious way. (laughs) So, but yeah, I'm curious about like what you think about that because I, and then I got like really mad and I was like, is this movie like, like, (laughs) Sexist and misogynist and, and that like mothers are, are like, you know, somehow weaker, but also like the idea that not only does, does she like survive this exorcism, but like is able to tap into that memory at the end of them at the beach, I think speaks to like actually how psychologically resilient she is, because I, I can't imagine what it's like to purge the influence of something that is like incredibly powerful out Mm -hmm. of you even with the assistance of an exorcism like the fact that she did that I think speaks to her strength and not her being like you know super vulnerable yeah I mean I think that is the answer uh I think that's the the good contrast of it all of if we're gonna think on the lines of female and a mother and being weaker, but in the end, she actually has the most resilience. I think that is a great answer to that. In in thinking about it, I was just like, does that mean, is it anybody who is like prone to mental illnesses or mm. you know, can be swayed in that way, but also maybe because of the fact that she was in the house the most because the dad was working. And so mm-hmm. for her to be in the space where the demon is, she is the one that has the most access because also the kids are going to school right. and her and the youngest, mm-hmm. so they're the ones who are most exposed. So maybe that's mm-hmm. also why they were the most vulnerable. And the youngest right off the bat was seeing the little boy, the little ghost boy, yeah, mm-hmm. the little ghost boy. So I, I would like to think maybe it's because she was the closest to the danger. Mm. That's why she was the most vulnerable, but I did. Yeah. I, if we're going to go on the lens of like female resilience, I like that idea. <laughs> it's all about reframes. I'm, I'm, you know, Absolutely. I'm happy to flip things yeah. all the time. <laughs> I think that's what makes it work. I don't know, Brian. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you and guys answered it, so I'm not going to add anything <laughs> else to that. But I was like in the kitchen, and Brian was cooking because we're you know flipping rolls on their head, and I was like, "What is this movie trying to say? Like, I'm am I mad about? Am I mad or like is this just what it is?" And he was like, "Yep." <laughs> and then sometimes you kind of think on the lines of if you're more vulnerable to believe in those mm-hmm. kinds of things that they're more apt to, you know, like, that's like, that's like spoiler. That's like, you ever see skeleton key a long time ago. I forgot. But so sorry. one of the points of skeleton key is like, it only works if you believe. Mm. So like, uh, like she, Santa, she, like it's like Santa Claus. <laughs> um, it's totally like Santa Claus. It's like the Santa Claus. Like he even says, I was skeptical, but she's the one who seeks them out. So I do believe that when you believe something more, you're more susceptible to it. So that could be the vulnerability. And then, you know, when you, I guess 
it's that flip side. You know, you can be intensely protective over your children, but like that intensity could also backfire in some ways. And I'm not saying that it's mm-hmm. a bad thing yeah. to have. I'm just saying that like you can let things slip through the cracks because you're trying to do something so intensely or and but she didn't but she also didn't come off as a very intense character at all. So I think all of that was she was just trying to create a nice home for everyone that she understood that this was a big move for all of them. And, you know, that could also um, add to that kind of vulnerability as well. You know, she was being attacked first because she was the mother and they might have not been attacking her first, the, the, the demon, because she they attacked her because she was the mother. She was the, the matriarchal figure who mm-hmm. that has been the entire experience of this, this demon trying to get the moms to do this. And in doing that, she allowed they got into her head like the the first clap sequence. Um, like all of that, like if that happened to me, that would mess me up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. these were, these were things that she saw and she felt that she didn't have to question. She knew exactly what was happening. Also notice when all of the things fell off of the wall during that sequence, no one else heard them. Right. So yeah. to me, that wasn't a, that, that actually wasn't a plot hole to me, to me, like all of this noise and energy was being focused on her mm. and what we, Jamie and I recently watched a movie where like before you get attacked dead silence sound oh dead silence yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all the sound goes out I was out. just like, thinking that I was like yeah like yeah. Pl- like using using sound again is like a strategy to like target specifically targeting somebody and and then they can like feel the the impact like even greater than everybody else can Also yeah. what was super impactful was I paid attention this time the scene I was talking about earlier where they go to that couple's house and it's just the pipes is immediately before the whole clapping sequence. So you get the sequence where they're just like, this house is not haunted. And then you actually see what a real haunted house looks like. And Mm -hmm. that contrast is so powerful, especially because of how well directed both scenes are and how well acted both scenes are. That was like, that juxtaposition was like very effective for you just like get on, get like into it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, since you brought it up, let's get into the plot holes and some of the scares that you were talking about, Brian. And Jamie, oh. years, that stuff. Do, you, do you mind if I start? Let's do it. Plot holes. No way they bought a house without seeing that it had to not have a boiler. Like the furnace. Okay. Now, I know that he said he bought it in an auction. Yes. But, it, it, so, uh, but like... It is wild to me that they would, that's the the day they moved in. That's the first time he saw it. And when he walked into the house, he wasn't like, hey, there's no boiler. How do we stay warm? Like (laughs) that, I kind of like, that's a bit much for me. Okay. That's like. But it was, speaking on the weather, it seemed like it was sunny and so you wouldn't be thinking about the heat yeah but those new england winters get pretty cold i I, i'm not gonna so that that seemed odd like even if they bought it at auction from the bank like you'd think that they would have checked it out or like in the list you'd be like does not have boiler i I don't know (laughs) boarded up seller yeah yeah yeah, um (laughs) that was my big one that was the only one um i will say I don't think it was necessary to do the whole sequence with the daughter being haunted in their house, in the Warren's house. Oh, I under- yeah, yeah. I understand the point. 
I understand that it's supposed to show physically that this haunting is starting to affect their family and more than just an emotional way. It's like physically like working its way into their home. And it's another way to work the doll in. Totally understand that. Two, it allows the it pulls the Warrens away so that the mom can take the two daughters back to the house. So, like, I understand how it works plot-wise and emotionally, but it did feel a little weird when you're just so engaged in everything else. And I actually think James Wan and the actors do a wonderful job at setting up that, like, Lorraine is being tortured by the most recent version of what happened. Ed is super masochistic, at, not masochistic, I didn't mean masochistic. Um, Ed is like playing his macho role and like trying to keep his wife out of it. And she's the strong willed one who's like, no, God brought us together to do this specific thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I thought the movie did a great job setting all of that up to begin with. Um, I didn't necessarily need those extra scenes, but like, again, it's still under two hours. So like, this is a super critical complaint that like actually doesn't matter because it, (laughs) it does serve both plot and emotional stakes, but also like, you know, you're like, give me more house. Give me more house. Give me more scary house. Give me more (laughs) laps. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking on the scares, what was some of y'all's favorite or most memorable scares? In the movie. I mean, definitely like the clapping scenes are so good. Um, the, the moment from after the pictures fall down the stairs and, um, and Lily Taylor's walking around on the ground floor and you were talking about like the way the, like the cinematography, yeah. there's this moment where the camera, where she's standing like in the hallway, but looking into one of the rooms and the camera's panning into the room. And then you just hear the door creak open and you know what door it is. Like you don't even have to see it, but then the camera slowly pans back the other way and that door is open. And like, that's like, it's like happening where it's just like actively setting you up for like, Oh God. And then again, very brave goes downstairs and is like, I'm going to lock you in there. Door slams in her face. She runs up. She, she runs up the stairs. She gets the matches and that's after the ball comes out, which is also spooky. And just the, you want to play hide and clap and the hands coming out of nowhere is like truly horrifying. Like that whole part from start to end is so so horrifying it like i i I mean like i said i just recited that whole scene but like every time it's so unsettling it really gets me i love it yeah it's great i mean the the whole fact that she's in the cellar and they're panning through everything and then they stop and the ball does come out so you're like looking straight at what's the the yes gonna happen but then she's running up the stairs and looking and like, you've already seen the danger happen down in the cellar, but now she's up on the stairs and you're not expecting the scare to be up there. You saw it down <laughs> below. Mm-hmm. So it's just great that it comes behind her. I also like that James Wan doesn't waste any time, meaning is a clear shot of the husband leaving the matches down there. So you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about her fumbling to find the match on the stairs. It's just black until the matches come out and your brain puts together without having it being explained to you. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate it. It's kind of that, the economy of the screen time that he used for all of that. 
Mm-hmm. Just the way that he uses sounds in general. Yes. And it's not like most horror movies that rely on, and we've talked about this in other pod, in other episodes of the podcast, but they don't rely on like motifs or themes of music to introduce the danger about to come. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's just dead silence mm-hmm. or it's just white noise. and. Yep. Another example of kind of something that was like scary, but not scary, was when the daughter was like banging her head up against the Mm. closet and Mm -hmm. her sister takes her to bed. And the minute that she gets into the bed, you hear the banging again. You just see like her lift herself out. That shot of her head just coming up. Because I also was like, what am I looking at? And then I realized that it's her. It was like, it's kind of jarring at first, but then, and then you see the look in her eyeballs and you're like, oh God, like something awful is about to happen. And then you think because the sound is coming from the (laughs) ward. Yeah. That when they open their wardrobe, something's going to happen and it's not. Joke's on you, pan up. Exactly. (laughs) There's a whole YouTube video explaining that exact scene and why. Oh my God. And it's because it's not even where, the scare is not where you think it's going to be. And so Mm -hmm. you just, but sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. So you don't know what you're going to get. And so you're just anxious either way. (laughs) Either way, it's unsettling and either way, it's fantastic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I... I, I love those sequences. Another sequence I'll throw into the pot is the the wind chime going off in the back and then he's backing up and then all of a sudden you see the maid in the background like and where he's in the foreground. I totally forgot about that sequence. So this second time viewing, like it really, really got me like real bad. That's an incredible sequence. Some other, another sequence that I forgot happened and it's not even the... When she, when, when Lorraine is in the back and she falls through the floor. Oh yeah. Um, and it's not even when she turns and sees the, the, the mother the the downstairs. Mm-hmm. It's the whole, the sequence of falling that is like in those, in that tight claustrophobic space is very, that was very off putting. I forgot about that too. That really got mm-hmm. me. Yeah. She but was- still the spirit is a spooky spirit. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. The spirit's spooky. The <laughs> well, spooky no, spirit. she wouldn't have lasted in dead silence because that scream was so much oh, mm-hmm. dead silence yeah the sequence uh i wrote this down the sequence outside when she's having a really wonderful moment with ed and then the sheet blows away and it catches the oh spirit, yeah and mm-hmm. then it goes in front of the window and you see it in the room mm-hmm. i forgot about that too i'm getting goosebumps right now just talking <laughs> about that that scene especially in the broad daylight after such a sweet scene the t- contrast between those two is just that is like a home run sequence. And then the last, at the very end, where the music box is just playing mm-hmm. and you're waiting for something to happen and then it just goes to black. Mm. I'm like, this is a perfect way to end this. Mm-hmm. I also forgot about like, at some point, the basement, you just hear the same three notes um, that Ron Livingston played when he first like discovered the basement, the piano. And like, that's really unsettling. Just like thinking about like random sounds that are playing. And you know, and you notice that we did not even talk about the actual exorcism that happened. That's true. I know. <laughs> everything else. Like everything else was unsettling. And the big part is supposed to be the exorcism, but it's just so well built up that you you think about all the other things yeah and what's wild is the most impressive part to me of the exorcism is is the editing and the changing of the faces like Mm -hmm. 
and that to me that was the most engaging part because listen we've seen exorcisms on on, on movies before we know that someone's going to float we know that someone's going to get burned by holy water like we know all these things but that that the because we fell in love with this family and we fell in love with the warrens like that the the fight for her soul at the end is so much more engaging than just like the action sequence of it all and that's what to me that's why this movie is so engrossing it's because i fell in love with the characters it just happened to be in a scary movie yeah i agree with that Mm -hmm. that's amazing okay it conjured some feelings inside of me oh my god i have a question for the two of you and maybe i asked this in another episode that our listeners will eventually hear i don't remember but what's my aura yeah what's your aura no what is at what point in we're in reality we're in super reality at what point do you actually think something is haunted versus like like convincing yourself that it is the pipes at what point are you just like okay something something wackadoo is really really happening here um you know like like uh, and and how would you go and explain that to someone like Jamie and I talked a little bit about this when we binged all the paranormal activity movies during um, quarantine. And we we talk about this on a later episode, but like, at what point do you like, at what point do you do it? And how do you get someone to believe you? Do you go straight to the clairvoyant or medium or whoever? Like, like what's the human behavior? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great question. And there would have to be several occurrences to make me really think that something is haunted because with the mind that I have, I will over-exaggerate things anyway in general. Hmm. So I would need to have very hardcore proof that something was happening. I will say though that for some reason, animals seem to know things. And that was one of the random questions that I Hmm. had that I was debating if I was going to ask you guys, but like, the dog doesn't even go inside the house because mm-hmm. he knows something is is wrong and then ends up being killed. And at some I don't know, I don't I don't know how dogs have or animals have that ability to sense that energy or that something is wrong or that something is off. But I think it would take the bruises on my body, especially if I if there are if I knew that I wasn't like getting hurt or whatever, like, and I live by myself. So if I woke up with all those bruises on my body, I'd be like, there's something going on. And if it's medically explained, then I'm going to have to seek out, you know, something else, somebody else. And if the rancid smell, if, I mean, we live in the city and in New York, there are dead rats and stuff everywhere. So if I'm not finding a dead rat or something in my house and there's a smell, like I, I would have to try to, you know, find find somebody else find that could like help or research demonic activity and things that could lead to something paranormal happening Hmm. so yeah i don't know i would need some some hardcore evidence (laughs) what about you jamie what's the mental what's like what's the what's the like the process like because i feel like humans like nikki just said will make excuses for things so they don't have to believe something that's bigger than themselves 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even in the two things that you like picked up, I was like, oh, like that happened. Like I, every so often, I mean, like very frequently I'll like be like, oh, Brian, look, like I got this bruise, but like, I have no idea where this is from. I, I do like frequently, I think, walk into things and just like, we'll say, ow. And I don't think he acknowledges it anymore because it happens so frequently. So like, <laughs> I think that I am, I am prone to accidents and then like, don't remember that I do it. And then also like, sometimes when we walk Ted, our dog around the corner, like I will point out like right here, it smells really bad. Like it smells like rotten eggs. So like, I'm like, is our whole block possessed maybe like you know I I don't know it's funny because I I was going to save this also for my um my recommendation so I won't spoil it but I do think that at least the way that I would think about it is I would probably lean more towards like oh this is it I'm I'm finally hallucinating (laughs) like that's like where my mind would go like I would be Mm. like oh yeah Jamie's finally like experiencing psychosis of course like my brain my brain would go to like there's some kind of mental health thing happening versus like something else that's external um but like that's just where my head goes I think also like if you maybe without all of that like background you you might kind of lean more towards like oh like I am possessed and like something something is happening here and like this is scary and like outside of me yeah I agree with that I also just just as you want to know I did google can dogs see ghosts And despite the fact that there is no scientific proof that dogs can see ghosts, so much of animal behavior is uncertain that the possibilities of a dog sensing something a human can't is not out of the question. Thanks, American Kennel Club. Oh, my God. Ted. Right. What about the ghosts? I know. I need to get a dog. He's He's too busy sleeping down here i mean i guess that means that like your room is safe but am i safe Ah! and that's so interesting too because another question i was going to ask is you know you hear rumors of things being haunted or things going on and it's like at what point are you just believing the rumor and -hmm. you're feeding into that or Mm -hmm. something is actually happening you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like what's going on in your brain that is it just because you heard that this is, you know, the case? And so you believe that it's the case. If you hadn't heard it, would you not think like if you had, there was a perfectly normal house and you heard it was haunted, would you make up things in your mind mm-hmm. or, you know, as a, yeah. it's the same. It's like, if you, if you believe it, then, then you are, or whatever we were talking about with Santa Claus before, like if, if, if it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, and you were, but like, it's also literal. Like you're literally giving your energy, you're paying more attention to these things. And like your awareness of it is up way higher than it, than it would otherwise be. And so like, I I think that's like another read into that. Like you're just generally hypersensitive to it because it's already on your, on your brain. Yeah. And then put an empath on top of that. And it's just a mix. (laughs) (laughs) a recipe for disaster have you ever just woken up in the middle of the night and like it's three o'clock and you're like oh god it's gonna happen now listen don't (laughs) even get me started because the witching hours i if i wake up anywhere in that i just can't happens to me all the time it's quite depressing and then we'll do a seance when you're here for halloween nikisha oh my god 
hell no. no there's no way <laughs> seances ouija board. oh my god if you walked into our home and there was just a ouija board out on the table <laughs> I would have to say, hey, guys, can we move this to, like, a bar? (laughs) There's nothing I hate more in movies when somebody's, like, don't use the Ouija board and they go and use the Ouija board. But also, like, I get it. Like, you don't believe it. It's all fun and games until your whole family gets murdered. Yeah. But why, like, test it? Do we have to test it? Truly. Why provoke it? Yes. You can live your whole life without even having to. to You don't believe it. So, like, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone because then you can harm other people. Like it's mm-mm. no, I'm not here for it. <laughs> we can go to haunted houses where I know that there are fake people that mm-hmm. I can punch in the face, but uh, <laughs> what not- if you go to a haunted house and they actually have a real Ouija board there and they conducted the seance prior to your arrival and did not tell you, I don't think that's part of the liabilities that they have you sign. <laughs> Noted. So I'll just keep my little pocket size Bible next to my. <laughs> <laughs> and just in case, I know some Latin, you know, I sang choir with some, we had a lot of Latin. Okay. <laughs> I love something. it. Some Dominus Etus. <laughs> should we, should we guess the, should we guess the Rotten Tomato score? Yes. Let's do mm-hmm. it. Speaking of that side note trivia, they had to bless the sets with an actual priest for all of the Conjuring movies because it is so intense. What? Doing that out there. Okay, the Conjuring. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is? 90. 83. It is an 86. The critics' consensus is, well-crafted and gleefully creepy, The Conjuring ratchets up dread through a series of effective old-school scares. Okay. Ratchets Ratchets up. up. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't, that doesn't make sense, but okay. Well, he was trying, he he needed a wrench. I know it's not a ratchet, but he needed a wrench to fix the car. So, you know. Yeah, ratchet and clank. Yeah, yeah. Netflix ratchet. There you go. Uh, Should we do uh, the four S's? Yes. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns for S's. It's skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. This is how we rank the movies. We rate all of them one through ten. Ten being the most, one being the least, and then suggestions. We'll give another suggestion um, for something you to watch. Let's start with skulls, which is more about the mental health aspect of these movies as well as human behavior we have scares scares is you know how scary is it how much does it make you jump we have shakes how much is it going to stick with you can you shake it off and then the suggestions as i mentioned so nikisha why don't you start what are your skulls rating for this one through ten so i didn't really feel like it talked on mental health issues i just had a lot of questions from it so because it wasn't a movie about that i'll give it a two yeah i'll i'll give it a one because it doesn't really cover anything like mental health it doesn't even really cover like trauma or like how they're supporting that so i think i think i'll stick with a uno yeah i'll go with a two I think it tr- it tries to talk about like the toll it takes on her, 
yeah. uh, a little bit, but like they don't do anything more than like it. She you know she loses a piece of herself, but like they don't talk any more about that. So we'll do that. Scares. How scary is this movie, Jamie? Let's start with you. Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. Um, it's when I first saw it, it scared the everything out of me, and then uh, even now, it just like it still totally creeps me out. Um, yeah, I, I find the jump scares like actually very effective and not just annoying in this. So mm. eight from me. That's what I gave it. An eight. Yay. Yeah. Same. This was yeah, this is so much in common. <laughs> this may be one of the scarier movies that we've watched so far so far, but um the listeners will find that out soon enough. Soon enough. Yeah. Okay, shakes. How how can you shake this off? Is this a is this like a one and done? Is this something that you remember all the time? I gave it a nine for shakes because I still will be completely underneath all of my covers and weighted blanket on t- <laughs> with the lights on. Probably probably sleep with my lamp on tonight. Jamie, um, I think I will give it a six. Cause it, it also sticks with me, but also like just as a memorable horror movie. Um, but I think like, you know, when I start to watch like the nun <laughs> or the curse of La Llorona, I'm like, uh, every time they like turn this into a whole thing, I, I just, I wish they would stop. It, it's, it sucks because like he has such good, James Wan has such good universes. And then like, and then it just becomes this whole thing. And yeah. So back to the point, I'll give it the six. <laughs> Mine is a nine. Uh, I, I just, I love this. This, this like definitely sticks to me as like a, a great, because it's a great movie and as a horror movie, I think that's like a good combo platter. So now we have suggestions Four suggestions. Like think of it as like a Walmart discount bin. You get the conjuring in a pack. What is the other movie that's kind of like it thematically or, 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 you know, however you want to relate the two, what's another suggestion to watch with, with the conjuring, the conjuring too. They would. Yes. I mean, yes, that would be the pack. Yeah. That was a, maybe movies with sequels is not a great example. No, I would say insidious. You know, mm-hmm. James Wan night of of um, firsts in the chain. Yeah, in the chain. First in the chain. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the others in that chain? The other Insidious system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I watched them. <laughs> Wait, would it be Insidii? <laughs> I like that. The other Insidii. Mm-hmm. Wasn't one called Skeleton Key or About a Key? No, yeah, it is a, it's About the Key. That's the fourth one. That one is weird. Yeah, I, yes. I have seen all of them then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> um, Jamie. So I will recommend The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And I was thinking when you were talking before about like, you know, what's the line between mental health and like paranormal entity. And I think this movie is a really good example of that. Not even necessarily just mental health, but it's, it's a huge, like, you know, putting 
like reason and science and medicine against like church and the paranormal. And that's, that is what this whole movie is about. When I saw this, it like, it literally, it gave me so many nightmares. My parents were so mad that I saw this movie because I did not sleep for so long. Um, and, and also she does a lot of those, uh, like stunts and things herself, which is really interesting in that movie. Yeah. Um, there's like a lot of like Bobby contorting that she's doing, which is very unsettling, but I, I think that that there's a lot of similarities to me in terms of them exploring outside of just the spooks and like the jump scares, but really like they're the, the movie's about a trial, like the movie's about a case and they're, they're like, you know, talking through all of this, all like the legal approach and, and then like throwing in some like, Oh, waking up at 3am. Um, and then like the jump scares and stuff. So I think it's, I think there's a lot of very like similar themes that you see in the conjuring. So also a good spooky movie. I have never seen the movie. So we need to add it on the list. Oh yes, please. I hope I didn't say too much, but no, you didn't. And I was trying to look it up because I know the lead girl only from the movie white chicks. Oh my God. Yes. One of the <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I have seen White Chicks so many times. It's insane. It is a great film with a capital F. Okay. <laughs> great all around. But it, I I hate paranormal stuff. So that's why I hadn't watched that movie. But mm-hmm. I also, every time I look at that movie, I think of her and I think of White Chicks. And it's just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I actually saw a TikTok recently where they did that dance sequence from White Chicks, like at a real party. Hey. As they should. <laughs> It needs to go on forever and ever, generation after generation. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Do you have any suggestions? So my easy suggestion is watch The Exorcist. Like, it's just a mm-hmm. classic. It's the best mm-hmm. of the best. Watch, just, just watch The Exorcist. It's not that hard. But my other, like, kind of out there suggestion is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Mm. yeah that's great uh i really like that it it has certain things kind of overlap here and curses and weird things like that but it's a really well-made horror movie and movie and i thought that that was uh i thought that would be a nice uh you know combo platter there so a good horror combo platter Great. Well, I think that's it for this episode. We <laughs> talked a lot about this great film with a capital F because it is. But if you want to do us a favor, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Talk Horror Pod, P-O-D for Instagram and Twitter. Uh, give us a shout out with some suggestions of movies that you would want us to talk about so that we can get to it and tune in yeah. for a great rest of the season. And Brian, can you tell them where they can listen to us? Yeah, you can, uh, of course, listen to us on anywhere you get your podcasts. So that includes things like Spotify, Stitcher, as well as Apple Podcasts. We are a new young podcast and a big podcast C. So we would love for you to find us, subscribe to us, and then, of course, uh, rate and review us. Five stars, please. And thank, thank you. That would really help other people to find us if they love horror movies, if they love talking mental health and behavior and how they intersect. That would be really, really helpful to us. So thank you very much for you listening to us and then spreading the word uh, about uh, talking horror. 
Well, thank you guys so much. And uh, we are signing off with a... Clap, clap. Uh, clap, clap. Clap, clap. <laughs> I feel like we're all trying to like turn on and off lights. Clap on. Clap yeah. off. It'd be really crazy if your lights actually turned off right now. I would be <laughs> scared for you. Alexa. No! <laughs> <laughs>